We'll take just one verse for our text. Proverbs 29, verse 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. This morning, I'd like us to consider something very, very serious. It's not something we particularly enjoy considering, but we do need to consider it. Nonetheless, I'll start with a question. Can a person continually resist the Spirit of the Lord? Can a person continually push back and say no to the Lord and walk away from the Lord and harden their hearts to the point where the Lord will no longer deal with that individual? Well, the answer is yes. We read that verse again. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. You know, in life, we all face deadlines. Whether you're in school or in the workplace, certainly students understand deadlines, getting assignments in on time and midterm finals. Uh, being in construction for many years, I often worked on a project where we were given a schedule and we were given a completion date or a deadline and often if the subcontractor exceeded that completion date, there were heavy fines imposed on that company. One job in particular, we were told, along with all the other subcontractors, that if we went beyond a certain date, they would fine each company $25,000 a week. So it was a pretty heavy fine. You can imagine they were very diligent about meeting that deadline. Even parents and children... As parents, we give our children deadlines. How many of you have said, if this room is not clean in 20 minutes, well, look out. That could vary what the punishment is, but we're used to deadlines. A deadline is a date or a time before which something must be done. God has a deadline. It is possible for a person to exceed that deadline and go past that point of no return. And the penalty for doing that is much worse than anything we'll ever face in this life. It is eternal punishment. They say, I've never been there, but they say along the Niagara River, before it dumps into Niagara Falls, there's a point along the riverbank and a sign is posted that says, the point of no return. And you can meander around in that river for quite a long time, but if you get to that certain point where the river rises and the current picks up, if you get caught beyond that point, you're not going to go back. You're going to go over there for those falls. So there, there is a point of no return. A lot of people have a hard time imagining God as having a deadline, and they even struggle to reconcile that thought in their minds. I mean, after all, isn't God a God of mercy and love and grace and forgiveness and compassion? Yes, he's all of those things. Thank God he is. If he wasn't, none of us would be here. But he's also a God of righteousness and judgment. You know, to only talk about part of God's nature really would be dishonoring to God. He's a God of mercy and grace, but he's also a God of judgment. And there can come a point when a person 
can cross that point of no return. But we know the Lord always, always shows mercy first. And in this verse, really, we see three things. We see God's mercy and patience. It says, he that being often reproved. That word often means many times or frequently. The word reproved means to correct, usually gently with kindly intent. All of us, if we were honest, we could think of many, 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 many times when the Lord dealt with us and spoke to us. Even as Christians, the Lord is patient and faithful and he deals with our hearts. So we see uh, God often reproves. That's the Lord's mercy and his grace. But then we also see man's stubbornness and rebellion. It says he that hardeneth his neck. And then we see God's punishment for man's resistance. It says he shall be destroyed, suddenly destroyed, and that without remedy. That's a sobering, terrifying thought. Without remedy means there's no fixing the problem. It means there's no going back and making things right. You don't get an extension or a grace period. It's final. I found some words to an old hymn that describe it pretty well. It says, There is a time we know not when, a point we know not where, that makes the, that marks the destiny of man to glory or despair. There is a line by us unseen that crosses every path, the hidden boundary that stands between God's patience and his wrath. Where's that line? I don't know where that line is. I'm glad I don't. But I know God is merciful, but there is a point, there is a time. It says, he being often reproved, hardeneth his heart. I thought, what are some ways that God in his faithfulness reproves mankind? Well, there's always good old Holy Ghost conviction. It is wonderful and awful at the same time. It's awful when you're under it because you're so miserable and condemned. It's a wonderful thing when you respond to it in the right way. You know, when you act upon it and respond in the right way, we can see the results. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter, as he stood up to preach, this was on the day of Pentecost. And it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It said they were pricked in their hearts. That was that reproof that God was... Uh, poking on their hearts and their conscience. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to them. Well, Peter told them what they should do. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then we see how they responded. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's the wonderful thing about responding to Holy Ghost conviction. It will bring repentance and salvation. But we also have accounts where men resisted the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7, verse 51, Stephen here preaching to the religious leaders, the scribes and Pharisees, he had some pretty choice things to say to them. He says, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. 
as your fathers did, so do ye. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Again, there's that reproof. They were condemned. They were guilty. But rather than respond, they resisted and they rebelled. They actually put Stephen to death. And tragically, in doing so, many sealed their own damnation and destruction because they continually resisted the Holy Ghost. It's a very dangerous thing to resist the Spirit of God. Genesis tells us the Spirit of God won't always strive with man. You know, I often think of a neighbor of mine in Woodlake. When we first moved there, it was about two days after we moved there, or just a short time after we moved there, and I was working in my yard, and I saw this neighbor next door, so I thought it would be a good time to go introduce myself. So I did that, and as we were just uh, talking there a bit, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord impressed it on my heart to say something to this man about his soul. I'd never met him, but the impulse was so strong, so I just asked him, I said, have you ever been saved? Or do you know about salvation? And he got pretty quiet. And he kind of looked down for a few seconds, and he looked back up. And I was bracing for anything. I didn't know how he was going to respond. I was even ready to duck if he took a swing at me. I didn't know how he was going to respond. But he told me a little about himself. He said, yes, in fact, I had been saved years ago. He said, I met a man in an airport one time, and he told me about the Lord, and I felt convicted, and that man prayed for me right there in the airport. The Lord saved me. He said, but unfortunately, I turned my back on the Lord, and I walked away. And he said, every time I see my grandkids, he says, I'm reminded that I trampled the blood of Jesus under my feet. Those were his own words. I thought, Wow. And I tried to encourage him. I said, you don't have to live like that. You can be free from that condemnation. You can pray right now. The Lord will restore you. And he realized that, but he wasn't quite ready to make that commitment yet. About how sad he that being often reproved and hard of his heart. I don't know where that man is, but I know the Lord was faithfully dealing with his heart. The last thing you want to do is resist that Holy Ghost conviction. Parents. God uses parents often to reprove their children. I think of many testimonies. We've all probably heard of many times when uh, somebody said they were in the depths of sin and maybe ready to give up, and they remembered the prayers or the example of a godly parent, and it caused them to pray. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Christian friends and other believers, often the Lord uses others to reprove us at times. It's not always easy, but if they have our best intentions in mind, and you know if they're doing it in love, uh, he can use friends and others to reprove us. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, I'm thankful for all the older saints who would gently reprove me at times, especially as a young convert. I remember... Sometimes Brother Elmer would come alongside me and he'd give me a little advice or he'd say something to me. And, but he'd always put his arm around me and say, you know, Brother Elmer loves you, don't you? Well, I knew he loved me and he was reproving me in love and I appreciate that. But sometimes God can use others. Sometimes the Lord used nature itself to get our attention. 
Many of you probably recall Brother Nick Seeger's testimony. He had rebelled against the Lord, was living a terrible lifestyle, and he knew better. And one day as he was walking past a church where he used to attend, there was a revival meeting going on. He was actually going to a party or a dance, and, and the Lord told him, you need to go to church. So he said, Lord, if you really want me to go to church, he said he picked out the brightest star in the sky, pointed to that star. He said, Lord, if you let that star fall from the sky, I'll go to church. And he said, as he lowered his arm, that star fell from the sky. Well, the Lord was speaking to him. Didn't get saved that night, but certainly just a short time after and through some other tragic circumstances, he bent his knee and he gave his life to the Lord. But God is always reproving in many, many ways. Sometimes the Lord may have to use sickness or difficulty or even a trial. We think of that as punishment, but sometimes God in his grace and mercy has to get us to a point where we have to listen. Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Again, God is faithful. Sometimes we're reproved through a testimony or a song or a message that we hear, or even a bumper sticker. I don't know if you've had a chance to read Sister Jody Hinkle's testimony. I'm not going to spoil it, but you can read her testimony in the latest church paper. And a bumper sticker was involved, and among many other things, as a way to speak to her and get her to that point where she would pray and she could be saved. God goes to great lengths in many ways, many different ways to get people's attention. That's why he often reproves over and over and over again because he loves us. It's because of God's mercy that he often reproves. But sadly, man often rebels against that. I thought, what are some ways that a man can stiffen his neck? Well, I think one of the most common ways is simply through procrastination putting off tomorrow what God says you need to do today. Somebody once said tomorrow is a day on the fool's calendar. Proverbs 27 one says, it warns us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. It's a very dangerous game to procrastinate with God's call. You know, it's so dangerous because it's often so easy to excuse we can justify procrastination by hiding behind good intentions. I think many who procrastinated away their day of grace, you know, no doubt they probably told themselves they were good people. They had good intentions. Maybe they truly, fully intended to serve the Lord someday. There's a saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, the longer a person resists, the more times a person tells the Lord no or not today, the easier it will become the next time until, sadly, the next time can become the last time. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall be destroyed suddenly and that without remedy. I'll share a little story here. It says, Aaron Burr was the third president of the United States. He was a brilliant student at Princeton University at age 19. A revival broke out on campus in those days. Obviously, this was a long time ago. And Aaron was deeply convicted. 
He went to one of his teachers and told him his dilemma. The teacher gave him a Bible and told him to go back to his room and settle the matter with God on his knees. Aaron tried to shake off the conviction. He went back to his room, all right, but in desperation he cried out, God, if you let me alone, I promise to leave you alone. And later Aaron said it was at that moment that all conviction left him. Years later, a good friend tried to introduce him to the Lord, but the sweat poured out of his forehead, and he recounted to his friend how at the age of 19, he'd asked God to leave him alone. It was then that he said, I never had one slight feeling ever since that I should become a child of God. So many have the idea they can get saved whenever they are ready, but the fact is you get saved when the Spirit of God calls you. To say yes to Jesus means life. To say no means death. God Almighty draws a deadline across every sinner's path. One side there's hope, on the other there's death. The Holy Spirit calls today, and if you trifle with the call of the Spirit, you may, may never strive with you again. Very serious thing to put off the call of God. Of course, we know pride is another thing that will cause people to stiffen their neck. Pride's a thing God hates the most. Pride is that thing that will keep us from admitting we have a need. It makes us want to be independent of God. You know, pride is the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. It's the same thing that will keep us out of heaven. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I wonder how many times people have come into a church service and maybe the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to them and they feel they need to pray. And as the altar call is given and they get up, the old devil's there to say, you can't go down there. You'll make a fool of yourself. People will laugh at you. The last thing you want is for people to actually see you crying. And sadly, they'll turn around and they'll walk out. Many times, maybe even for the last time, I still remember a man that I... Um, talked to you one time many years ago at camp meeting. He'd come in for an evening service, and after the service, he was miserable. I could tell. He literally was trembling, and he told me he was under conviction. He said, I know I need to get saved. My life is a mess. And I, the prayer meeting was going on. I said, well, why don't you come down and pray? And he shook his head. I can't do that. So I can't have anybody see me go down there. So well, they'll pray with me. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yes, they will pray with you. But he could not humble himself. And he turned and he walked out. I don't know what kind of condition he's in today. We want to make sure when the Spirit of the Lord and His grace and mercy call us, we must respond. So nothing to trifle with. Again, that scripture reading of the rich young ruler, it's amazing how close he was to the kingdom of heaven. And other accounts give us a little different version of that same account but it said he came running to the Lord and he knelt before the Lord and he said good master and asked the all important question you know he had a certain amount of reverence for the Lord and obviously there was something going on in his heart because he knew something was missing in his life it says Jesus beheld him and he loved him it's because he loved him he told him there's one thing there's one thing in your life that you love more than anything else. And he put his finger on that man's riches. And we don't want to misinterpret this 
account. Jesus wasn't condemning riches or wealth. Money is it's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. But in this man's case, it became his God. It was an idol in his life. So the Lord, in order to free that man and make him ready for the kingdom, he said, there's one thing you have to give to me first. Says the man procrastinated. He said, when he heard these things, he went away sorrowful. You see the pride in this man's life, even in asking the Lord that question, good master, what good thing must I do that I may have eternal life? You know, the middle letter and pride is I. This man was full of pride. He thought it was something he could do. But when Jesus told him, he was unwilling to lay his pride in the dust. He went away sorrowful. You know, he was willing to bow his knee to Jesus, even tip his hat to the Lord, but he wasn't willing to surrender his heart and life to the Lord, and he went away sorrowful. Nowhere in Scripture do we see of another time when he was ever given an opportunity to repent and follow the Lord. The most dangerous, reckless thing a person can do is to resist the Spirit of God and the call of God. Because God is righteous and holy, he will judge sin. He has to. There is a day of reckoning coming for all who would reject and resist the Lord for the unrepentance. But I like to hopefully end on a positive note here. And the good news is God will always, always, always extend mercy and grace and forgiveness before he ever sends judgment. He is a God of judgment, but he's a God of mercy and grace. No one ever goes to hell unloved, unwarned, and unconvicted. God is faithful. People go to hell because they choose to resist the Spirit of God. Why does he reprove time and time and time and time and time again? Because he loves us. It tells us it's not he's not slack concerning his promises, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's why the Lord continually strives with the heart of man. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. You're saved. If God is dealing with your heart this morning, If you're feeling conviction, that is a wonderful thing. That means you haven't crossed the line. God's still dealing with you. He's still reaching out to you. That same mercy that Jesus extended to that thief on the cross at the last hours of his life, he's extending that same mercy this morning. If he's dealing with your heart, God is extending that mercy to you today. I don't know if he'll call you again. Nobody does, but today... The Bible says today, if you hear of his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And in closing, I'll just close with a few more refrains from that old hymn. It says, how far may we go on in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end and where begins the confines of despair? An answer from the skies is sent. Ye that from God depart, while it is called today, repent and harden not your heart. O come today, do not delay. 
Too late it soon will be to Jesus fly for mercy cry. He waits to welcome thee. God is here this morning. God has given us a strong warning, but he's also given us hope. He's given us a promise. The Lord says that all who can't call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not ready to meet the Lord, don't delay. God will not disappoint you. If you humble yourself and call on him, he'll save you. The Lord can sanctify you holy today. The Lord can fill you with his Holy Spirit, and the Lord can give you that hope of heaven in your heart today. We're going to sing 349. These altars are open. Let's come and pray.